This is a CBC podcast. I think when I have kids, and I really get in the Christmas spirit of like trying to prove to them that you know Christmas is still alive and all that jazz <laughs> will bring it back for me. What if they start singing "I Want a Hippopotamus"? Uh, well, they won't be my kids anymore. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Claire Bonnyman, and this is The Loop. The halfway mark of November is a really divisive time. There's conflicts and battles fought in homes over when you start the holiday season. For a lot of people, the lights go up when it's warm, but only really get lit when we get into December. But in some windows, I'm already seeing menorahs and oil lamps, Christmas trees. In my house, I was allowed to pull out some string lights, though it did definitely take some convincing this last weekend. But this is the time of year when people start thinking about the holidays, or for some, when the holidays really start. And there's really nothing more divisive than Christmas music. Merry Christmas, Uncle! Bah, humbug. 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 Tristan Mottershed is a technician and associate producer with CBC Edmonton and joins me now to spark the debate. Hi, Tristan. Hello, Claire. How do you really feel about Christmas music? I worked retail for five years. There's not many good things I can say about it right now. I mean, granted, I, I do love listening to Christmas music like a day or two before Christmas. But okay. outside of that, I, I just can't stand it. A day or two. When did you start hearing it when you were working retail? Uh, so it always started right after Remembrance Day. Okay. So kind of Remembrance Day happens. I come into work the next day and Christmas music is happening. It's... Uh, <laughs> It was never fun for me. You you just look exhausted. I don't think people can tell. You look exhausted talking about this Christmas creep. I am, and kind of working on that story that I was about Christmas music being played too soon. What is the worst Christmas song, in your opinion? Oh, okay. Well, I've got a couple. Um, This one is kind of... uh, My sister's going to hate me for this, but I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. (laughs) The classic? She used to sing that constantly so it was outside of christmas and (laughs) i'd be hearing that song all over how how do you deal with it how do you fight for your right to not hear christmas music yet uh well wearing headphones constantly (laughs) uh, avoiding retail stores which is impossible around christmas and not pitching ideas to do christmas music stories (laughs) you failed on that one already So when is too soon to start listening to Christmas music? Probably a week before the Christmas. So probably December 15 when all the exams are done or December 19 when all the exams are done, then it's good to hear the Christmas music. Is there a time that you go out of your way to listen to it? Just a day or two before the Christmas, like 23rd, 24th, when everything is like heating up and it's the Christmas time. So what about you? When is too soon to listen to Christmas music? Anytime before December, so in December is okay for me. <laughs> I just play in home or in my car, nothing else special. <laughs> What is the perfect time to start Christmas music for you? I think any time after Remembrance Day starts to become appropriate. Before that, it's kind of uh, a little early in my mind, but uh, every once in a while it's nice to have a little surprise on the radio, but not all day long, 24 hours a day. And when do you personally go out of your way to start listening? (laughs) Probably about the day before Christmas. Christmas Eve, you know, is when I'll intentionally start putting something on, but before that, uh, that's not much. (laughs) 
When do you feel is too soon to have Christmas music? Too soon would be, I'm going to say September, but I don't think I've ever seen it in September. I don't think there is too soon with the way the world's going right now. I really don't. We, even I, I just lost my husband, but even I need to have some hope and be spiritual up, uplifted. And I think with what's going on all over the world, we all need it. Another hallmark of this hallmark holiday season is the festivities. We are, of course, a winter city, and December means a number of light-ups and community celebrations across the city. Probably one of the biggest is held downtown. And this year, it's getting another twist with Winterval kicking into gear this December. Panita McBrien is the executive director of the Downtown Business Association, and she joins me now. Hello. Hello. So are you a big holiday person? Oh, I am such a big holiday person, which I have to, this is a bit of a sidebar. I have to say <laughs> was part of what was so wild about our Christmas tree controversy last year. Oh, I'm so glad getting, you brought that up. <laughs> I was getting accused of, you know, killing Christmas and hating Christmas and some like anti-Christmas agenda. And it's like, I love Christmas. I'm like, <laughs> I get totally in the holiday spirit of like, you know, unpacking all my Christmas lights and everything and setting up my tree this weekend. Like it just, it's anyways, it's a bit of a sidebar, but I, I am a huge holiday spirit person. Well, you know what? Let's talk about it for a second though, because planning these events for downtown, you've done a lot of different stuff over the last few years. It feels like every year is just a slightly different take on a holiday gathering. There was that initial choice of taking out the Christmas tree. How do you deal with it when you are changing up traditions or practices like that? Oh, it has been such a learning experience in so many ways. You know, people people don't like change at the best of times. Um, I think we know that about ourselves and our loved ones. Um, but what we learned in real time is not only do people not like change, but, you know, coming out of the pandemic, it was nothing but change. So people were already, I think, in a pretty fragile state mentally and emotionally. Um, and And we as a society also really value our traditions and the holidays is a really sacred time not even just like religiously speaking but the holidays are very sacred and Christmas is very sacred like culturally and socially so there are so many things I would have done differently um, if I could go back to like May of last year when we made that choice just in how we how we worked with the city on it and how we communicated and when we communicated and all those things um, but I can't go back in time so I'll just say, <laughs> We, we, I really do think we were so thoughtful about why we were making that change and for us as an organization and our mandate to support our members, why we needed to do that. Um, but that doesn't make it any easier to be the bearers of really bad news because we also really genuinely believed the city was going to keep doing it. So when we made that choice, it was just kind of a, okay, here's the tree people, you know, here's the lights people you guys can just, you know, do this. And so when they didn't, that also was a bit of a <laughs> a roller coaster. You know, what we've tried to do is keep the spirit of what was always Holiday Light Up alive, which is bringing people together for the holidays, bringing people downtown, kicking off that holiday festive season for like, you know, dining and partying, but also for shopping and being with friends and family. So we've really tried to keep true to that, of course. Um, 
And it wasn't the first disruption either. Like there was a few years there where, yes, the tree would, would still go up, but because of the valley line construction, there was a few years there, like way pre-COVID where, you know, there wasn't really much happening around there because of construction. So we weren't the first to disrupt it, but... Um, <laughs> you made the headlines yeah. though. Yes, we sure did. <laughs> What goes into planning? Because this year's Winterville, a, a brand new kind of take on these light up celebrations. What goes into creating an event like this? Because there's so many directions you can go. You know, we're always walking this line between wanting to stay true to the very Canadian traditions of Christmas and the Christmas holidays and the Christmas shopping season, but also wanting to be inclusive and making sure that if you don't celebrate Christmas or if you're new to Canada, that this is still something you see yourself in and that there's something for everyone that it's sort of focused on the winter season and not just like Christmas itself. Um, so for us, it was it was really fun this year to make sure we're striking that balance. Like we've got uh, a Christmas market and the sleigh rides, you know, some of those things, there's going to be elves and a, and a Santa set up. But then there's, you know, live music that'll appeal to a really broad audience. And there's, you know, a doggy party for people to bring their dogs down and um, getting everyone in the spirit, you know, all the different features that they're offering, brainstorming with the businesses about what they want to offer and how they want to participate, what they're going to do outside. Um, that's been really, really fun because that what that's what really brings the street to life. But then keeping the true just, you know, community gathering pieces there. So we're bringing in um, an art exhibit by an Indigenous artist named Ken Hack um, that'll be at uh, sort of in Michael Fair Park. So that's a really fun thing too. Like just, again, something that's sort of winter themed, uh, focused on the season, light-based, that anyone can come and enjoy, you know, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. Is it hard to stay away from that kind of Christmas coding that happens? Obviously, you know, Santa and the elves got to be there, but is it hard to strike the right balance? I don't think so. I think we had a harder time with it last year just because there was so much swirling all around us. And, um, you know, because we were under all this pressure and we we're so sensitive to, you know, things being perceived the wrong way. I think we were making decisions for those reasons, like more worried about, oh, but if we do this and people are going to think this. Um, so this year, we obviously had a lot of time to plan it. And I think we were able to stay much more true to what I think people are just looking for. Like, I think, I think we struck the balance really well, because it really is like, it's the Christmas spirit that really gets people excited about, you know, going out to eat and drink and shopping, which is really what our businesses need. Um, but there's so, so, so many Edmontonians who don't see themselves in that and who just want to come out and have a, a holiday festival. When we look at that business community that you serve, how important are these kinds of downtown festivals and gatherings, especially in winter, for those shops? It's interesting because it is their busiest time. So it's not like, um, you know, they're struggling. A lot of people would probably get the wrong impression walking around in December because you walk into a lot of restaurants this time of year and they're full every day. They're booked up for Christmas parties or their, you know, their lunch rush is busy and, you know, artworks is packed with with customers sort of all season long. And so that could leave you with the impression that like, oh, these businesses are doing just fine. But like the reality is that this period, it has to be that level of volume and higher because these businesses are still paying off COVID period loans. Like they're still paying these SIBA loans to the federal government. They're still, you know, catching up on back rent that they owe their landlords. So 
this is everything. Like if we can't bring masses and masses of people down and have lineups, you know, out the door at every business, like that is, that is a risk. Like I still think, you know, I talked to my colleagues across the country, downtowns and main streets all across the country. I still don't think we've seen all of the fallout from the pandemic on small businesses. Like there are still some who have made it this far, but things are now starting to pile up. Um, all the loan forgiveness, you know, all the rent forgiveness, whatever they they had, it's all drying up. And so there, it's a very real risk that, you know, without a super, super busy holiday season, that things could still go sideways. And those tough financial times, it's not just businesses, right? We know that people are watching their budgets more, costs are rising across uh, the board, really. How are businesses looking ahead? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I mean, the feedback that we heard last year, um, through the holiday season was that it was as busy as anyone remembered it being. That's mainly the hospitality sector. Like Christmas parties were back in full force. Like it was the first year, I feel like, where, you know, there wasn't any of that COVID sensitivity around mm-hmm. or like, you know, um, caution uh, around the holiday season. Like everyone booked their, you know, full restaurant buyout, holiday parties. Um, you know, everyone was out and about, Um so I feel like um, the energy out there is is mostly optimistic and positive. Like, I think people are just excited for the holiday season to have another year like last year. Um, I think we're still really fortunate in Edmonton, too, that I think consumer spending um, is a lot healthier here than it is in a lot of other major urban centers, like where you've got, you know, true housing crises playing out and people can't even afford their rent. Um, I think here we're very, very fortunate that we still do tech you know, tend to have in our household budgets a a little bit more left over to spend on things like the holidays. Yeah, we're not in Toronto or Vancouver mode. Yeah, exactly. What is it like for you to put on these celebrations for the whole city? Because in my head, it just sounds and feels like it is a massive party. (laughs) Like It is a lot of fun. (laughs) But, but it is so much work for the team. Uh, We have a lot of partners we work with. We work with Foundry Events on our our two big ones. So this one, we're working with them for the holidays for the first time this year. And then they put on Downtown Spark for us since the first year we did Downtown Spark. Um, So we definitely need those partners who really know what they're doing and know how to navigate all of the intricacies of, you know, city permits and, and making sure we're adhering to fire codes for large crowds and all of these things. Um, So it's a lot. There's so much thinking and planning and considerations and things that people would never even think of that have to go into these things. Um, And then the thing for us too, is the funding part of it is wild because Mm. we are very um, committed to making sure that all these events we do are free to attend because really it's about getting people here and hopefully, you know, spending their money in our businesses Um, and supporting the downtown economy. It's not for us to sell tickets to things. So making sure that we can get the right grants and sponsorships and and make the math work on these events is also a heavy lift and I lose a lot of sleep over (laughs) it. But when it all comes together, it is is pretty magical and so worth it. What is the weirdest meeting you found yourself in while planning one of these events? Oh my goodness, there's been so many. Um, it would have to be the emergency call during Downtown Spark um, when we had two, we had a bit of a windstorm. And so for those that aren't familiar, for Downtown Spark, what we've been doing the last couple of years is we bring in these gigantic, like, you know, 
30 to 50 feet wide. They're tall, inflatable structures, art, art installations. And so a handful of them have been these monsters that have gone on building rooftops. And so the weirdest meeting would have to have been when two of our monsters got damaged in the windstorm. So one eyeball flew out. <laughs> we lost a we lost an eyeball from a monster, um, and the other one I think just like totally deflated. So it was an emergency meeting about um, replacement monsters being <laughs> flown overnight from the UK <laughs> to get installed. And and our event partner Foundry. They found uh, an emergency inflatable uh, doctor, a guy who repairs inflatable things, (laughs) Oh my god! coming in to see if he could sew up the eyeball overnight. So that would disrupt our event the next day. Because there are a lot of inflatable, like you think of like the, you know, wacky waving inflatable arm guy, like the Popeye's guy, like we have inflatable stuff. And apparently we need some craftsmen who know how to repair them when they, when they rip. Wow. Should have called up the guys at that Muscle Max place on like 97th. (laughs) Yeah. They for sure have a guy. They for sure have a guy to to sew up I think the ideas of monster eyeballs exploding is the perfect segue into my next question, which is just this push for vibrancy downtown and this push to bring life and activities, whether that's monsters on buildings or real humans to the core. But it it still feels kind of like a buzzword every time we hear vibrancy. So when you picture a vibrant downtown Edmonton, what do you see? Yeah, the word vibrancy has a bit lost its meaning at this point. I feel like we're using it so, so constantly. But it is truly, I think... I've tried to come up with synonyms that maybe are more specific, but it, there isn't really one. Maybe vitality, um, maybe prosperity, but like those words don't capture what we're trying to say with vibrancy, which is there are just people everywhere. There is a rich mix of sectors. So that's, you know, retail and small business. It's, you know, corporate people walking around and doing business and driving our economy forward. It's arts and culture thriving. And that includes murals and, you know, other types of art installations. And the Citadel and Winspear and AGA are busy. It means there's tourists coming through. It means people are living downtown. People are out walking their dogs. People are up with their kids. Like, I think when we talk about downtown vibrancy, we're talking about just like a truly rich, multifaceted, urban center that is like all of the things that a downtown should be and that it really is what we lost during covid and not just in our downtown but in every downtown um and it is true that other downtowns do seem to be getting back to that um faster than we have and so that's why you know we can't stop talking about it and we can't stop throwing everything at the wall you know trying to create these moments of delight and and these like really exciting different things that hopefully get people downtown who have never even been downtown before or haven't been in a long time and really makes it unique and worthwhile to go out of your way to check it out because without those people being downtown and having things to do and see we're not going to get to where we need to be when it comes to this time of year, what do you most look forward to? Uh, we are very careful to take a proper break at the end of the year. Because nice. it's the only real break we take as a team. Um, we're really bad at taking holidays because <laughs> there's always something going on. Um, so we we properly shut down the office between Christmas and New Year's. And so leading up to that point, it's obviously... Everything around the holiday season, we run full out with our holiday programming, which is now Winterval. 
uh, through the holiday season. We run full out for the month of December and do a lot of really thoughtful reflection on the year. What worked? What didn't? What can we do better? What do we want to try next year? And really set ourselves up for for what next year is going to look like. So really looking forward to doing all that work and then having a full, you know, break for a week yeah, yeah. <laughs> between Christmas and New Year's. Well, I wish you a lot of luck in the weeks ahead. And then I hope that week off treats you real good. Awesome. Thank you so much. The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Leslie Goldstone and Corey Habersock. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common, and I'm Claire Bonneman. Thank you so much for listening. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, theloop at cbc.ca, leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show, and you can always find us on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.